0: This story is called The Maestro, a comedy by Aaron Steinmetz. You want to hear a good bar story? I'll tell you a good bar story. I'll tell you one that no one has ever heard before because it just happened tonight. It all started when the maestro needed to change his clothes. His dressing room was being renovated, but of course, nobody told him about it. And all the other rooms were locked. And everywhere else, people were bustling about. So there was only one place for him to change. On the stage. The stage? Sure! The instruments provided plenty of privacy. And like I said, there were large groups of people milling about everywhere else. So what could he do? He slipped in behind the timpani and started changing. You can imagine what happened next. Someone walked in. Yep. Time to tune the timpani. Naturally, the maestro at that point was in his tidy whities all his clothes lying around him on the floor. He had just enough time to grab a handful of clothes before he dove behind the cello. Sadly, in his haste, he only grabbed a tuxedo jacket. (laughs) Hardly enough to cover the essentials. Exactly. He had to cower there behind the cello as Hiltzi Wardzenharg tuned the timpani. As usual, she had a cigarette hanging from her mouth. Now, he might have calmly tried to talk Hildy into handing him his clothes, if she could speak English. But no, he had to hover in the background trying to figure out how to get to his clothes. Guess what happened next? Someone else walked in. Bingo! This time, it was a couple lovers. A tuba player was warming up to a flutist near the auxiliary percussionist section, each carrying a bottle of vodka they pilfered from the after-concert party collection. Fortunately, it was Miss Atzenharg who made her presence known. Unfortunately, she couldn't really tell them what she was doing there. And apparently the tuba player, instead of guiding his little fling off the stage, was perfectly willing to move his little symphony to the other side of the orchestra. The string section. Near the maestro. Uh-huh. This left the maestro in quite a bit of a quandary. Does he try to hide his barely clothed body from the three people or just fess up and try to cut his losses? As it turned out, he really didn't have time to decide. Our ungainly janitor slipped in through the back door just behind the maestro. The janitor, because he was thoroughly dedicated to balancing the boxes piled over his face, didn't see the nearly-naked maestro hiding behind the cello. He left the door open, so the maestro, rather than try to face his inferiors in his condition, decided to take his chances with searching the janitor's room. He left his clothes on the stage. His clothes, his wallet, his pride. It was rapidly becoming a comedy of errors for the poor maestro, especially considering it was his first day there. He had been brought in as a guest conductor because he performs Ravel's bolero so perfectly. Anyway, when he entered the janitor's room, he saw a blue jumpsuit hanging from the wall, and you can imagine how pleased he was to find that. Don't tell me. It didn't fit him. No, actually, this much worked out in his favor. At least for the moment. He squeezed right into the jumpsuit with ease and was out back on the stage in the wink of an eye. Unfortunately, by the time he re-entered the stage, he found the tuba player and the flutist in a rather remarkable state. You mean they were... no, no, not yet. But they were about to. You can imagine the terrified scuffling that emerged from their having been discovered, at least until they realized it was just a janitor who found them. But it was the maestro in janitor's clothing. None of the players had seen the maestro before, so as long as he was wearing that jumpsuit, nobody knew who he was. And it didn't really matter to the maestro that the two lovers didn't know who he was, because at that point, he just wanted to recover his tux. He dashed across the stage and found the timpani. No clothes. Anywhere. And in his haste to get to the janitor's room, he had left his tuxedo jacket behind, so at that point, he had nothing. Someone took his clothes to the lost and found, probably. Probably. But as it turned out, the maestro was never again that night going to see his clothes. As he hastily searched the stage for his tuxedo, another person came in. It was the stage manager, checking out the placement of the instruments. Big Slick McKilter, to put it nicely, is the cruelest, most heartless rat to ever sludge his way onto a stage and he's just under four feet tall. He was scouring the stage when Little Timmy entered. Little Timmy, who is six foot five and bursts into tears if you yell at him, was in charge of opening the curtain. Big Slick McKilter hates Little Timmy, but puts up with him because he's the owner's son. Slick McKilter is the owner's son or Little Timmy? Both. Did I mention their brothers? No, sorry. Well, they hate each other as only brothers can. Big Slick McKilter was desperately trying to keep his bubbling rage bottled up as he quietly screamed at Little Timmy about something he damaged in Hildy Watsonhart's equipment, while the maestro stealthily snuck around the stage, knowing that he would have to deal with Big Slick McHilter if he was found out. Big Slick is the paranoid type, and if he sees someone he doesn't recognize, he immediately has him pegged as a terrorist. Mmm, I can see where this is going. Like a freight train speeding towards a brick wall, yep. The maestro managed to avoid Big Slick McHilter for the moment, but left the stage and entered the hallway outside and found a horrible mess. Apparently, little Timmy had managed to spill his Dr. Pepper all over Hiltzi Watzenharg's suitcase. Because the real janitor was somewhere unloading boxes, the maestro was the only one there to find the mess. Then Hiltzi Watzenharg entered. And though she spoke no English whatsoever, her demanding tone and flamboyant arm movements told the maestro enough. She wanted him to clean up the mess and though he desperately tried to explain that he was the conductor and he had to find his clothing, she couldn't understand a word of what he was saying. Time was running out for the maestro, so rather than fight it out with Hildy Watsonhard, he just apologetically waved his hands and hurried off. I bet Hildy Watsonhard wasn't happy. No, she wasn't. I'm not too familiar with Czechoslovakian obscenities, but I'm sure the maestro got quite a few of them as he slipped away from Hildy. At this point, the stage was filling up with players quickly, and it occurred to the maestro that he might just have to conduct that concert in a blue jumpsuit. He found this quite disconcerting, but he was willing to swallow his pride for the sake of music. Upon entering the stage, though, he found a disturbing image waiting for him. Were the tuba player and flutist still going at it? No, the janitor had spilled his boxes all over the far end of the stage. Apparently, he had been balancing 200 wine glasses for the after-concert party and dropped them when he bumped into Big Slick McKilter. Broken glass covered the floor like grass. You'll recall the maestro was wearing no shoes. Ugh, that had to be painful. The glass was the least of his worries. Big Slick McKilter was screaming at the janitor at the top of his lungs while little Timmy, too overcome by the excessive noise in the room, was jumping up and down and screaming. In the meantime, the tuba player and flutist, having hastily dressed themselves as well, were trapped barefoot behind all the broken glass. Several other concert players were on the stage tuning their instruments trying to avoid attention. Big Slick sent the janitor off to gather his cleaning supplies and then set himself to the desperate task of calming Little Timmy down. If they're brothers, I'm sure he's very experienced at that. Oh yeah, before long he had Little Timmy up and cleaned off and getting ready to carry the lovebirds across the broken glass to their instruments. Because of his large size, Little Timmy has huge boots. The flutist was nice and light. He had no problem carrying her across the grass. The tuba player, though, was just about as tall as Little Timmy. The maestro carefully snuck around, looking for any sign of his clothes. It was at this point that Big Slick McHilter spotted the maestro. He scurried over to the maestro, screaming at him because he wasn't cleaning up the broken glass because the maestro was dressed as a janitor. Exactly. Meanwhile, outside the janitor's room, the real janitor was getting screamed at by Hilde Watsonhard for not cleaning up the Dr. Pepper. All the voices in one angry boom crossed the stage and entered Little Timmy's ears as he was trying to carry the tuba player across the broken glass. Oh no. Oh yes. That tuba player fell to the ground very unhappily and Little Timmy ran away bawling, covering his ears. The tuba player was not a pretty sight. And for once in his life, Big Slick McKilter was having a hard time deciding whom to yell at. His brother for dropping the tuba player, the janitor slash maestro for dropping the wine glasses, Hilde Watsonharg for yelling at the other janitor, or at himself for yelling too loud and scaring off his brother. This was quite a conundrum. Oh, and it gets worse. Now the tuba player was cut up pretty badly, but he could walk, so he and the flutist took care of themselves, as they called an ambulance. That left Big Slick McKilter to try to subdue Little Timmy, who we found clinging to a lamppost outside, beating the side and wailing. Audience members were filing into the theater at the time and were quite puzzled by the sight before them. In the meantime, though, our heroic maestro had managed to find his tuxedo jacket. Unfortunately, it was on the back of Johnny Felcher, the kleptomaniactic trumpet player. Boy, you guys got a little bit of everything, don't you? Oh yeah, we're a little freak show down there. Well, the maestro, who had never actually met Johnny Filcher, had the difficult task of cajoling him into returning his tuxedo jacket, which was a rental, by the way, before the concert actually started, which wasn't long off. Johnny Filcher was busying himself with his trumpet when the maestro tried to convince him he was the conductor and it was his jacket. Filcher didn't believe him. Why should he? Filcher, the guy talking to him was just another janitor pretending to be a conductor trying to take his new acquisition. While the maestro was arguing with Johnny Filcher, Big Slick McHilter dragged a weeping little Timmy back into the stage, and all the while Hildy Watsonharg was giving the real janitor the third degree. The paramedics, who hurried over as fast as they could when they realized the accident was going to disrupt the big concert, burst into the stage area searching for the wounded tuba player. They didn't have to search long. They found the tuba player? They found little Timmy. Bent double on the floor, clinging to the curtain with one hand, he was pounding the floor in rhythm with his ghastly wails with the other. Assuming he was the injured player, they tried to dislodge him from the curtain to assess his injuries. Where was Big Slick McKilter? Believe it or not, he was busy trying to find the maestro. The concert was supposed to start in a few minutes and the maestro was missing. Or so he thought. While Big Slick McKilter was searching the back rooms for the maestro, the maestro was trying to get his jacket back from Johnny Filcher. The paramedics were busily trying to help Little Timmy while the flutist and the tuba player were in the janitor's room. They had snuck in there so the flutist could pick glass out of the tuba player. Then one thing led to another. They weren't. They were. And if that wasn't bad enough, the paramedics decided that Little Timmy was suffering from a condition far worse than broken glass syndrome. And fortunately for them, they just happened to have a straitjacket handy. Big Slick and wasn't too happy, I assume. No, he wasn't. When he saw his blubbering baby brother strapped into a straitjacket, he was ready to burst an artery. But you see, at this point, the whole scenario was just getting exponentially worse and worse. You'll recall Hilde Watzenharg had an occasional cigarette indoors, yes, and the young lovers took vodka with them on the stage, no, yes, pretty soon a nice blaze was growing in the far corner near the janitor's room. All the while, Big Slick McKelter was chasing the paramedics, who were chasing little Timmy, who was wailing something about having to do his job. In the meantime, the janitor, who was desperately trying to clean up the broken glass, despite all the interruptions, was trying to ignore Hildy Watzenhard, who was still screaming about him having to clean up the Dr. Pepper so she could start tuning the snare drum. And while this was going on, the poor maestro was beginning to think his tuxedo was the least of his problems. Can this get any worse? Mm Mm-hmm. You see, the fire spread into the janitor's room, so the tuba player and the flutist had to drop what they were doing and exit the room. Just as they did, little Timmy managed to escape his straitjacket and reach the curtain cord. It was 7pm. The audience was in their seats. The concert was supposed to begin. Don't tell me. Little Timmy pulled open the curtain to reveal to the audience two scantily clad lovers running across the stage with their hair on fire, big slick McIlter screaming at Gildy Watsonhard for starting the fire that was spreading across the janitor's closet and into the string section, and two paramedics trying to subdue Little Timmy as he was curled up in a fetal position, beating his head against the floor in a half-set straitjacket and screaming bloody murder. Wow. So, uh, what did you... I mean, what did the maestro do? Well... The maestro decided not to conduct the symphony and instead went to a bar. Hmm. Good story. Thank you. That's a nice jumpsuit, by the way. This story was written by Aaron Steinmetz and recorded by Aaron Steinmetz with music mixed by Aaron Steinmetz. For more information on Aaron Steinmetz and all it can do for you, head over to AaronSteinmetz.com. I have over a thousand dollars invested in this project. Aaron Steinmetz, Aaron Steinmetz, Aaron Steinmetz. If you can't spell it, Google it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Start Somewhere. Expect the next episode at your own risk.